From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning and welcome to GRN Alive here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Friday edition. Glad you are with us. A lot going on in the world and uh, we have a lot to discuss today. Uh, it's May 29th, 2020, Friday, 7th week of Easter. Easter is coming to an end, uh, and we will talk about Pentecost today and all the, the great celebrations that we're going to have this weekend. My name is Dave Palmer. Dr. Chris Malloy uh, joins me as usual in the studio. Good morning, Dr. Malloy. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. All right. Cecil Anderson having a special day today, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, good morning, Cecil. Good morning. All right. Uh, Diane Xavier managing our social media platforms today. So please go check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. The handle for all three of those is GRN Online. If you want to see how things are looking behind the scenes, uh, just a couple of quick things, uh, GRN related. Uh, a week from this coming Tuesday will be June 9th, and that is the beginning of the Guadalupe Radio Network Summer Sherathon with a theme of celebrating 20 years. And if that theme seems familiar, it was the same theme that we had in the spring. Uh, but we're still celebrating 20 years. It's you true. Know? The, the year is a whole year. <laughs> exactly, you know? exactly. And, Lots and to so, celebrate. Uh, and there's an awesome CD that we gave away in the spring that tells the, the history of Guadalupe Radio Network, and it's uh, really amazing. I, I d- definitely hope you can get your hands on that. And so we do ask you to listen that week. It's going to be the 9th through the 12th, 9, 10, 11, 12, yeah, the 9th through the 12th, <laughs> counting on my fingers here. Uh, and just uh, we, we need your support. This is how we keep Catholic Radio on the air. So And also, uh, do not forget to check out the new and improved Guadalupe Radio Network website, grnonline.com. And don't forget to allow it to know your location if you want to zip straight to your local station. And, uh, we, we, Joe, Joe, uh, has just done a fabulous job on it. It's a beautiful website. So, uh, by all means, go check it out. All right. Sunday is Pentecost, the birthday of it. the church, right? Can't believe it. Yeah. Amazing. All of Easter, we've been coveted. <laughs> yeah. Coveted an Uber. It's not an Uber. <laughs> we've been coveted. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It just and, feels weird. Yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it, everything's weird. We're basically halfway through the year. Everything's strange and, uh, also speaking of birthdays, did you know, you may not know this, Dr. Malloy, today is Cecil's birthday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Well, we're not going to sing, are we? Oh, yeah, you're good. No, <laughs> oh, we are oh, not. Oh, you're, I you think are. you were nominated to leave, <laughs> Dr. Malloy. And, uh, I, That's I, awesome. I, I, I gotta say, Cecil t- emailed me last night and said, do you mind if, uh, Tova and Willem, that's her, her sister and her brother come in and, they wanted to come in and be with her today and spend the whole day with her at work. And I said, of course not. I mean, gosh, and, and I, I just find that so touching. <laughs> That's and, awesome. and I was saying if, if Cecil had a show on at noon, that'd be great. But they wake up at probably 5 o'clock to get wow. here and spend time with her. So <laughs> yeah, they're here I know. with her. They, they volunteer before they realize what time they needed to get up. <laughs> <laughs> what time is that show again? And so, like, yeah. so they're here with her, yes. and uh, we welcome them into the control room, and uh, and how awesome that is. And Thistle's at that age where it's kind of a great age. Nobody's nobody's embarrassed to be in 22, right? No, no, definitely not. Uh, I mean, I sometimes feel like a baby, but other than that, no. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I was I was kind of hoping that 
you know, we get past this whole COVIDness as Dr. Malay talks about, but I, you know, what's going to knock it off the, the, the front page of the newspaper, so to speak. And, uh, unfortunately, it's all the craziness that's going on. So Susan's going to tell us more about that. But later in the show, we have a, a guest who uh, I'm familiar with because I saw a video series on him on, of all things, the, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. So I know he's a spirit-filled gentleman. Uh, his name is Dr. Tom Curran. He hosts uh, a program called Sound Insights on Sacred Heart Radio in Seattle, Washington. And you, Dr. Malloy, are the one that said, hey, let's consider him to talk about the Benedict Option. And so tell us about that. Yeah. So he, he, uh, so Tom and I went to grad school together yeah. uh, at Catholic University from 92 on. And then I just spoke with him uh, about two weeks ago. We've been in touch since graduation. And, it, but it's been a while before that. And he said that he uprooted his family from Seattle to go to Eastern uh, Washington slash Idaho. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's, he's going to be talking about. Why? Because to give the context, Tom is a relentlessly positive guy, mm-hmm. as he will say, and it's absolutely true. Always got a smile, always affirming what's going on in, you know, in the world, finding the good where he can and affirming yeah. it, as St. Paul says. And yet he, he, he said, and this is our teaser here, he said, I think now it's time to move from a legitimate stance of affirmation of the world to prophetic, you could say denunciation, prophetic mm-hmm. witness, yeah. where there's a distancing. And it's it's the same love of the world, but in a different modality. Yeah. He thinks yeah. it's time to pivot to that. He he has uprooted his family to to do that, and we'll, we'll ask him why he's done that. Do you think it's kind of like if you have a toxic friendship and you say, I still love you, but I got to spend some time away from you? Is that a good comparison? Or uh, I need to think about that. I, in a way, you know what I, I think it is? It, a little bit like that, but it's, it's, it's as though our routines, if, if you want to put it this way, if the orientation is to get back to the friendship, yes. Mm-hmm. Because what we need to do is create new patterns of living and new, new cultural activities. Yeah. And, and we, we, sometimes we have to do that away from the big city, just like St. Benedict yeah. did. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do it within the city. And it's not a capitulation. It's not, no. uh, it's a retreat, uh, but it's also kind of a reloading in a sense. That's right. And, and so he can explain it. It's all based on the Benedict Option by Rod Dreher, a book I have not read personally, but I watched an interview. I, I listened to an interview with uh, Dr. Tom Curran on his own radio show. Uh, when he interviewed some guests on it. And I know he's a big fan of that book and, of course, uh, can't really talk about what he's doing without that book. And so we'll discuss that as well. As well. That's coming up. So Dr. Tom Curran, uh, you know, maybe sometimes you just think like, I don't think I can raise kids in this culture. I mean, my wife and I have had that conversation many times. Dr. Curran and his wife have nine kids, yep. right? And so they have, like you say, they've, they've picked up and they've moved um, into a, 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 a community, I guess, of, 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 of like-minded Catholics. That's right. All right, so we'd love to have your thoughts as well. Have you heard of the Benedict Option? Maybe some of you are living the Benedict Option, all based on Benedict of Nursia and uh, you know his religious community uh, many, many centuries ago. 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And as I mentioned, I was hoping that something would knock COVID off the front page of the newspaper, but I, I didn't want I it to be what's going That's on what right I've been now. Thinking. So Sissel's got some of the, the top news, and of course, it's all... 
pretty much based Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. You wanted COVID to not be the headline, but this is not what we wanted either. Um, So probably as many of you have heard uh, this past week in Minneapolis, Minnesota on Monday, uh, police responded to a call from a shopkeeper about someone uh, potentially trying to pass a counterfeit bill and arrested a 46-year-old man named George Floyd. And in that process, they ended up uh, having him on the ground and kneeling on his neck for seven minutes. And he said he couldn't breathe. And he eventually was limp, became limp and unresponsive, took him to the hospital, and he was pronounced dead. And um, this was all caught on many cameras. Um, and so it was a pretty a pretty horrific thing that happened. And since then, there's been a huge outcry and protest against this, which has resulted mainly in Minneapolis, but across the country there have been uh, protests and the ones in Minneapolis especially have turned into riots mm-hmm. um, that have become quite and looting, de- and looting yeah. quite deadly themselves. People have died under this uh, these circumstances as well. A uh, targets and other stores have been looted, broken into. There are fires. I think somewhere around 30 fires in the past three days. And uh, most recently, late last night, the third precinct of the police department there in Minneapolis was set to fire as well. Um, and it's just become a it's just become a huge horrible thing. And the National Guard is now there. Five hundred uh, and soldiers from the National Guard are now there to assist with the um, Minneapolis Police Department to keep things under control. Um, it's just it's just horrible. And obviously, it, you you understand the right the anger obviously because this man died and he did not need to die and stuff like that. But then of course, causing riots and looting and danger to other people is also not. A good thing, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, I was listening to Morning Glory this morning, and Gloria Purvis and Monsignor Charles yeah. Pope were having a discussion about this, and they they kind of came from different perspectives. Uh, Gloria Purvis had given a quote about from Martin Luther King Jr., where he said, in essence, riots are the voice of the unheard. Right. Okay. When people don't feel like they're being heard, then they turn to riots. Right. Uh, Monsignor Charles Pope said, um, riots are understandable but never acceptable. Right. You know, that, and, and I, I think they're that, both true. Yeah, they're both true, makes, yeah. 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 Volunteer, uh, Charles also said something along the lines of it's righteous anger, but not all righteous anger actions are good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he, even the, the brother of the, the man who was killed, George Floyd, uh, and you know, I think everybody's seen this video. It, it's yeah, pretty it's atrocious. Horrible. I mean, it's I don't horrible. know that anybody could just on the surface of it, just looking at that. Of course, you always know, say, well, what's the, the, yeah. Uh, but, uh, he even compared it to a, a child, the, the reaction to a child throwing a temper tantrum, you know, right. that uh, when the child is, gets frustrated, they, they just, they lash out. And I think most of us, we've seen this with our right. kids sometimes, right. but we're not supposed to act childish. Right. And, and what, what does Target have to do? with uh, the killing of George Floyd. What and, do the, the pawn shop yeah. and the, the other day? Deacon Harrell brought up also, like, they're destroying their own community, and that's not good, too. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of innocent bystanders in the midst of this. Yes, I think there should have been, like, a protest, a march of some sort, like, to, you know, bring awareness, because they were upset, and uh, understandably so, people are upset. Um, but, yeah, of course, turning into what it's turned into is not good either. So what we lack is a Martin Luther King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, who can, who can lead this right. kind of energy in a, in a productive and fruitful way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he was very effective through nonviolent yes. means. Uh, Gandhi the same way, right? Yes. And so, uh, you know, sometimes change takes time. And I think maybe there's a certain impatience that sure. uh, the, t- the change has got to happen very quickly. So we're going to, uh, and, and I, I think ultimately it's, it's not effective, uh, because I think it turns a lot of people against, right. uh, a, a, you know, the, uh, the, even, even, even President Trump in his own, uh, you know, gentle, uh, manner of, of tweeting said these thugs, <laughs> 
are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. Uh, And I won't let it happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Walsh of uh, Minnesota and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. That's from President Trump. And of course, Twitter uh, didn't ban that, but they kind of hit it. And that's a whole other topic about President Trump's uh, executive order on the social media companies. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dr. Malay, what were you saying? No, no, absolutely. I mean, this is, um, no, it's, it's, there, there are people who have an interest in fomenting this kind of mm-hmm. rioting. Right. Yeah. And yeah, let's absolutely. be very clear about absolutely. that. And, and part of these are the people who are, you know, trying to turn the tourniquet even tighter, squeeze the turnip, <laughs> whatever you want to look at the COVID reaction tighter and not because they're worried about a pandemic but because they're interested in creating social disorder mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. creating a new order in their image mm-hmm. yeah i don't think like i don't think all these protests started out with the idea of let the make become a riot i think it kind of it kind of gets a, a mentality well, as it grows and more people get involved there, there's two things going yeah. on there's the in, individuals acting in right. kind of individual but there are also the, the those who coordinate and promote these kinds of things mm. it, it happened back in riots in L.A., yeah. uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, et cetera. It's, yeah. it's unfortunate. If you have a thought about it, dear listener, call us up. Uh, we've got until about 25 after before uh, Dr. Corn will join us. Uh, it's, a, it's a somber day uh, for many it reasons. Is. And I, I think, you know, uh, the bottom line is a man died here. He died violently. And we need to pray for his soul. We Absolutely. need to pray for his family that's mourning and the entire uh, state of Minnesota, the city of Minneapolis, uh, the Twin Cities there. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. I thought uh, there was a provocative... Uh, tweet uh, by Abby Johnson, who was a guest uh, this time last week, and she said in her tweet, what if George Floyd's death wasn't about racism? What if it was just about sheer incompetence? I'm not saying it's not about racism. I'm just asking, what if it's not? Are we able to separate the two anymore? That's right. a good question. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I think there's a there's an assumption that's yeah. unfair that, and again, I think she's right. It was absolutely incompetence. Oh, yeah. But oh. we don't know a hundred percent that it was about racism. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Because uh, the several of the police officers that were involved in that had quite a few complaints made to them on yeah. brutality yeah. Um, before this happened, and we don't know. What those involved was it? Yeah, always with a black person. You know what I mean? We don't know that. We don't know that for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. The other thing that kind of kind of intersects with this is the uh, Donald President Trump signing an executive order targeting social media, uh, and it says President Trump signed an executive order on Thursday seeking to limit the broad legal protection that federal law currently provides to social media and other online platforms. A move that is expected to draw immediate court challenges. The order seeks to make it easier for federal regulators to hold companies like Twitter and Facebook liable if they are deemed to be unfairly curbing user speech, for example, suspending their accounts or deleting their posts. And I think there has been some evidence. Lila Rose has complained about this, about yes. uh, more on the conservative side being deleted or censored. Pro-life things constantly and I, I, I think there's down. definitely some smoke well, there. Yeah, I've got a friend who... Uh, during the uh, votes in Ireland, was mm-hmm. it two, three years ago? Yeah. She was posting on it, and um, her account was deleted. Yeah. Oh and gosh. all she was doing was giving factual information yeah. on through Facebook. Yeah. I don't know if you all noticed recently, but on sometimes on Facebook, you'll get a post, and it'll say, this may not be factually correct. Yeah. And won't let, like, you have to, like, go into it to let you see it. 
Right. Which well, is interesting. And you're wondering who's deciding what is factually correct and incorrect. You yeah, know what you're I mean? taking right. you're taking to the fact check thing. Yeah. And is, I, is it only political facts or if I say there are, you know, I put a tweet out and say there are nine continents in the world. That's that's, you know, factually right. incorrect. Well, that so are they going to go on yeah. and say, take that off. I that's doubt not, it. I doubt is it. it. Is it only when the facts are delayed? I, I, you know, I, I teach I have a YouTube channel and I teach the Summa, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. And when we got to the part of the Summa about unnatural pleasures, unnatural vices, and he clearly says that homosexuality is an unnatural vice in the Summa. And I was like, you know, if I say this on social media, and all I'm doing is saying what Aquinas says, am I going to be, are they going to take down my account? Right. You shouldn't have that worry, you know? It's a good it, question. You know, and that's, uh, and so you're just like, I, I got I to gotta play by the, the, the social media police. So I think that's what he's getting at. What we really need is to form critical minds in reading this stuff, because there's a wealth of, claims out there i'm not going to say data but there's a wealth of claims out there wikipedia etc we need to as readers we need to be critically alert for instance mm-hmm. you want to buy a product you you look at the reviews yeah. Yeah. yeah and you have to critically evaluate this guy's just out, out to lunch mm-hmm. with his his criticism or with his uh, enthusiasm yeah I, I mean just when like i remember back in college when i was writing essays and stuff like that you have a certain criteria when you're using a source yes figuring out you know is it relevant is it recent is it you know like yeah. all, oh, who is saying it where is it coming from what credibility do they have yeah um which seems to be forgotten you know you see something on social media you know one of those like five minute read you know articles yeah and you're like oh yeah this is truth and post about it you know right but, right right i mean if there was some objective person that could look at all no things one's objective, just objectively <laughs> and say this is not true but i guess the the thing is, I, I talked about Lila Rose complaining about being censored. Uh, Candace Owens, who is an African-American conservative, uh, very outspoken, provocative uh, lady, she has actually filed suit against Facebook and has now claimed she's going to do the same thing with Twitter. I'd like to know, is there anybody on the left who is also complaining about censorship? That's I think that question. would be the proof. Is there anybody on the left saying, oh, my goodness, you know, I got you know censored again by Twitter. Is that happening? I, I don't know that it is. And I don't know that it is. That's a good question. My guess That's would be question. that it's not. Very good. You know, it certainly doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I haven't heard yeah. much complaint on that side. Yeah. Right. But, uh, and, and, you know, there was a scene. Maybe if it's like less left wing communist Satanists. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they're, maybe they're on hard I'm times. I'm sure there is such a group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, you know, there was a, you know, I mean, censorship is, is a bad thing, generally speaking. Right. There was a crew from CNN. Uh, if you go and uh, you see uh, on the CNN page that uh, the guy was out there doing a stand up, um, you know, report from uh, Minneapolis and uh, the state police came and arrested him and during his live report and, on the surface of it, you say, gosh, you know, you shouldn't be arresting reporters, but I think he had also crossed police lines. And so I think he was, he was, I think he was asking, I, I don't know, I, I shouldn't even judge because, uh, but I, again, th- this was sometimes, you know, the, the media can't just do whatever they want. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a whole other discussion about how yeah. far you can go and are there rules on media? I mean, yeah, journalism's interesting. The interesting thing is, even as of a couple of days ago, all the topics that we were planning on talking about during this segment were, were different. Yeah. And yeah. we had, you know, Father McGivney and we had things. There's, I think one of the, the big stories that we ought to talk about, and I yeah. think, Dr. Malley, you've done a, a little bit of digging on this, is what happened in Mar- the, the Maryland County where they said that there's no food and drinks in religious services. Did uh, No consumption of... Uh, Either liquid or solid foods allowed during uh, religious worship. How right? County, that, Maryland. Yeah. And this would mean that the Catholic priest, right? Because you can have a valid mass with uh, no, when the when the where the uh, congregation does not receive, but the priest for the mass to be valid for him, the priest has to consume. 
Yeah. Do you right. know that? Yeah. yeah. So he had, and he, in fact, he has to consume the host and the consecrated uh, wine that was um, effected there at that particular mass, mm. right? So he has to uh, consume the main host, not the not the host that might be left over in the tabernacle. So that would mean that the the Catholic mass couldn't take place. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I got to interject. And they reversed it very quickly. They did. Yeah. I'm glad they did. Yeah. Now that because do you know the sacred liturgy? Lib, excuse me, liberty of the church. I've spoken about this before. Sacred liberty of the church. That there is no human authority that can tell the Catholic Church how to be church. Mm-hmm. So if if a human authority says you cannot consume uh, in your sacred worship. The Catholic Church looks at that as null and void. Yeah. That, that law has no standing. Yeah. Now, they can take the priest and put him in jail, yeah. of course, because they got guns. But it has no standing before uh, the truth, before mm-hmm. God. The law, That law is null and void. Mm. We, we, see, we keep talking about civil liberty. Yeah. Religious liberty for the Catholic Church goes deeper than civil liberty, and it's because Jesus Christ is king, and he instituted the Catholic Church. Yeah. So there's a the, the Catholic Church has not only a civil liberty, mm-hmm. which in that respect is sort of you know in, in our country is equal with other religions, but also has a sacred liberty. Yeah, and, and it just it makes me think because when the Minnesota it was it was Minnesota right the governors there speaking of Minnesota who yes. came out and said we're oh, going to yeah, go yeah, ahead and open up the churches yeah, the despite like, no. the governors uh, and, and the governor immediately changed course. It was not only the Catholics but also the the, the, the Lutherans the, and I think the Baptists. And in this case, I think there was some outcry and what they do within like a day or so it's almost as soon as that 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 story came out from maryland from uh howard county in maryland they reversed it yeah and i just wonder if maybe there was a little bit more of a stink about you know maybe our bishops it's time for them to get bold yeah and and really work yeah i I mean they have clout yeah yeah remember when when it was the the the, uh, hospitals like we're going to close if you mandate that we uh, do uh, contraceptive covering, mm-hmm. and and frankly, if you're a governor or you know a, a health administrator, you got to quake in your boots. So we have a lot of hospitals. Yeah, the bishops have a lot of authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, despite what the culture sometimes you know thinks about Catholics and stuff like that, yeah, I do believe the Catholic Church holds still weight in you know what people think. Of, you know, they yeah, yeah. they could have they could have said something and could have. We yeah. just have to be we have to be bold disciples of Christ. Yeah, yeah. And not not be afraid. Not I think, be afraid. I think well, like Monsignor Pope, I keep quoting Monsignor Pope when I did the interview. He said it's a, there's a diabolical fear that yes. has taken over the world, and I, I see it all the time. People, you you want you see you see it in the faces at the store. You know, you walk around and nobody wants to look at each other, and they're all covered up, and everybody's <laughs> people are afraid of each other. No, there was a director of EWTN who who got COVID, and he said the yeah. exact same thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, Dan Dan Burke. Yeah, Dan Burke. Yeah, Dan Burke. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, he he. He experienced the very oh, illness yeah. itself as uh, something, you know, like a spiritual component to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a, a comment that just came in through text, uh, but we want to mention about Father McGivney. Yeah, yeah. And that's, this is big news is, uh, that, that is. kind of gets pushed <laughs> off huge one. But uh, so what's that sure, all about? Yeah, Father Michael McGivney, who is the founder of the Knights of Columbus, has is going to be beatified soon. They don't have a date yet, but... Pope Francis approved a miracle that happened in association with him, so he's going to be beatified. Yeah. And it's going to happen in Connecticut, according to the Knights. Yeah. That's so awesome. all Knights should be celebrating. This is awesome news.
news. Yeah, and a little side uh, trivia here. Uh, McGivney was serving as a priest uh, in Connecticut amid a pandemic yes, of 8990, yes, according so to cool. press release. And I also have a interesting They, they little... think that might have been a coronavirus yeah, pandemic. It was related to coronavirus. That's the one, really? Yeah. That's crazy. And uh, a little, little trivia here. If he is, in fact, canonized, will Father McGivney be the first Knight of Columbus ever to be canonized? False. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, wow. Ah. That, oh, boy, you didn't even need a lifeline The Cristeros! That's exactly <laughs> Vivo Cristo Rey! Oh, yes, a group of six, wonderful. not that I have to tell Dr. Malloy, because you probably know this. Uh, uh, Viva, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, a group of six Mexican members of the organization were martyred during the Cristero War oh. of 2016. 6 to 29 in its aftermath. So, wow, I, I didn't know that until I did a little research. That's interesting. Awesome. So All right. cool. And here's a little non-controversial point, and this was actually sent to me. I'm not sure who sent me this, but this person said, please just make this announcement, and we won't have a lot of time to discuss it, but uh, apparently uh, United States President of the Catholic Medical Association says hand communion is more infectious than communion ah. on the tongue. Uh, have you heard this? No, I have yeah, not. So. That was what they were said early on in the COVID thing, is they yeah. said that it was, yeah, that was studies that came out, right? Oh, that there was one. That's right, that the hand has more uh, germs. germs than the yeah. mouth. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember hearing that 20 years ago where a, a priest friend of mine who wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't a conservative or anything, but he just said, you know, there's there's many more germs on the hand. Your hands are yeah. all over yeah, the place. Right, right. right. And the priest is going to touch, he's going to touch your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my my parish still has reception on the tongue exclusively. I don't know if somebody comes up and just says I need to have it on the hand. I guess they can, but right. uh, our ordinary form still throughout this whole thing since it's been reopened has been on the tongue. I appreciate and, that. We've but, been driving out there too. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I think it's time to take a yeah, break and get to Dr. Tom Cron. I'm excited about this. And, uh, dear listener, we want your feedback on this. Uh, have you heard of the Benedict Option? It's a book that was written by Rod Dreher talking about basically, well, I'll let Dr. Cronin explained it and also Dr. Malloy. This was his idea. So the weight of this interview is on your capable oh, hands, boys. Dr. Malloy. Uh, just kind of, I don't want to say escape. The first word that comes to my mind, it's not an escapism, but it's a retreat. It's getting away from the world, if, it, if, no, if only temporarily, to kind of form a family so that we can be better uh, apostles and evangelists. Would that be right? We'll ask it, him it, when he gets it, on. It could be flight or it could be fight. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We have Dr. Curran on uh, Comrex, right? Okay, and he's a radio host, and so he's really uh, uh, he's a he's, he's he's really an interesting guy. So uh, we'll talk to him in a moment. Also, a little bit about Pentecost at the beginning. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four is the phone number. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll be right back on GRN Alive. While listening to your favorite Guadalupe Radio Network radio station, have you ever stopped to say to yourself, "Oh, if I could only hear that again"? Well, the good news is you can. Just log on to grnonline.com. We have links to podcast versions of our programming. Again, grnonline.com. Make sure to enable the location service when you're prompted. It will deliver your local station information, plus connect you to all the network stuff as well. grnonline.com. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so that you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
In two weeks, we will be interrupting our regular programming schedule for a quarterly share to keep your GRN station on the air. Why do we come to our listening family to seek financial gifts? The Guadalupe Radio Network spends approximately $4.5 million per year to operate all 37 stations in the network, or about $515 per hour. We are 100% listener-supported, completely dependent on the divine providence of God, working through the generosity of our GRN family of listeners. We are so thankful that you are part of the GRN family. I want to personally thank you for your continued prayerful and financial support since the year 2000, when the GRN first started in Catholic Radio. This is Len Oswald, President of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic Radio. Radio for your soul. We're back, and this is GRN Live Friday edition. It's 28 minutes after the hour, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And as promised, uh, our host for the remainder of this hour of this program is Dr. Tom Curran, and he is a speaker, author, podcast, radio host. He hosts the program on the Sacred Heart Radio Network called Sound Insight, and he has given over... 1,800 presentations to more than 350,000 people in 35 states and six countries. Uh, he, entry, he specializes in a whole lot of topics, and he's also the author of several books. He received a Ph.D. in systematic theology from Catholic University of America in Washington, where I think he met uh, the wonderful Dr. Malloy. And uh, most importantly, uh, he and his wife, Carrie, have nine children, and he joins us uh, on the program now, Dr. Curran. Uh, do you like to be called Dr. Curran, Tom, or well, how should we address you? Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Dr. T is fine. Uh, Dr. T, not Mr. <laughs> T, right? <laughs> Please call me Tom, Dave. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I know Dr. Maloya and you, you and uh, Dr. T. Uh, <laughs> we go way back. Yeah. We, we, we ni- was it Tom? Was it ninety two or ninety three? I think it was ninety two. We 92. met ninety two. We met in ninety two. We were both uh, r- arriving at Catholic University to start the doctoral program. On, we met on the on the day of the uh, of the uh, soft shell uh, or no, it's a hard shell crab uh, bake. I think. <laughs> and Tom's, oh, wow, that day, huh? Tom started a prayer group, which and I had no idea about this charismatic renewal and. Uh, we're, the, four of, four, four of us guys are, are sitting around. We're going to do, uh, prayer, fellowship, and service, right? And uh, we, we begin with the prayer, and then it started getting kind of charismatic, and I'm thinking, wow, this wow. is really wild. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, it, it, anyway, it's been a lot of fun with Tom, and I have to say, two teasers here. Two, two witnesses to Tom's, uh, bright, brightness. One, his sister. I'm up in Boston visiting him, and his sister goes, Mom, you know, Tom was out doing an errand, and I'm in the house, I don't know, reading a book or something. And his sister goes, yeah, but Mom, Tom's the smartest man in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> finally, wow. finally, someone yeah, realizes <laughs> what has walked into the room. There we go. There. Yes. Oh, I'll come on every week, Chris. You're going to talk yeah. like that. Yeah, that gosh. Sweet. Uh, smartest man in the universe. Wow. And then we've got him as a guest on the program. And then was there one other anecdote? Yes. Well, the, one of the guys in the fellowship said the, said the same thing. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Two witnesses. What am I That's biblical. Here? I think I should. Is, how much am I getting paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> and so. you know, and I got to say, when uh, Dr. Malloy emailed me and said, "Hey, we ought to have Dr. Curran," and the name, I was like, "I know this guy. I know this guy." And then I remembered that my wife, who is uh, very charismatic herself and lived used to live in a charismatic community in Holland, uh, she had introduced me to a video series that you did on the Holy Spirit. I think it was "Come Holy Spirit, Gift of Grace, Fire from Above." So I just 
wanted to ask you, because we are a couple of days before Pentecost, if you could just spend a couple of minutes talking about Pentecost, then we're going to get into the real topic that uh, we that we're going to talk about the Benedict Option. But since you are kind of a Holy Spirit Pentecost expert, <laughs> in, in addition to the brightest man in the universe, uh, <laughs> could, 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 could you talk about that for a second, Tom? Oh, for sure. Thank you, Dave. Well. Pentecost, it's referred to as the birthday of the church, really, because there's no way that we'll be able to accomplish the mission, which is ours, right, to be salt, light, and leaven in the world, to proclaim Jesus Christ without the power that comes from God. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses throughout the ends of the earth, but only when the Holy Spirit comes. So we're in a time right now of expectant waiting, of vigiling in prayer, of turning to the Lord and crying out and saying, please come, Holy Spirit. And for us Catholics, even right now, we share in that event of Pentecost, that moment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when we were confirmed. That's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in paragraph 1302. It says that the celebration of confirmation is, as it were, our sharing, our, if you will, personal Pentecost, our sharing in that event. And so we can be praying even now for a deeper yielding to and unleashing of that gift of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we will not have what we need. I heard uh, Dr. Malloy, Christopher, talking about we need to up our game. Man, we need to be courageous. We need to stand up and, and, uh, and be salt, light, and leaven in this world. And the reality is we will not without the power that comes from God. Mm. Awesome, which leads us really nicely into the, the main topic of uh, really responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and that is the Benedict Option. And uh, Dr. Muller, you're the one that said, hey, I love this topic, let's talk about it. So yes. why does this interest you? And, well, Tom and I spoke two weeks ago, and we go way back to 92, and I've always remembered Tom as, and, and you still are this way, Tom, obviously, and you'll be this way till you die, but not in heaven. But at any rate, positive, mm-hmm. affirming. And St. Paul talks about whatever is true, whatever is good, you know, affirm it. Yeah. Hold fast to it. Don't condemn it. And so Tom is always that way, and you still are that way. And yet you, you said, uh, Tom, that there were some scales that fell from your eyes two years ago. Can you can you tell us about this and, and what this has to do with, you know, Rod? it's not all about Rod Dreher's book, but it kind of signals something, that phrase, the Benedict Option, which can be lived in many ways. Could you tell us about how you've lived it, and what you think this tells us, uh, what, you, what you think our culture requires us as Catholics, or at least some of us as Catholics, to do now. Sure. So, uh, so uh, Chris, uh, two years ago, uh, with the McCarrick uh, scandal unfolding before our eyes, you know, we all know about the summer of shame. I was like, wow, this is shocking, this is tragic, but thank God it's happening, because now finally we'll get the unveiling, the unmasking of this corruption will have serious efforts of purifying the church, of reforming um, the priesthood, and of bringing healing to the victims. And I was waiting and saying, yes, and I'm ready, let's go. And there was crickets, just sadly, sickly, tragically. Uh, and then Archbishop Vigano released several letters over the course of the fall, and I was like, finally, now something's going to happen. And Nothing, almost, almost nothing happened regarding what I would have called to be an appropriate response to the seriousness of what was revealed in that moment. And so as that happened, I began to look around and pay more attention to, wait a minute, what's going on in the church? Why are our church leaders being so passive, cowardly, even complicit or corrupt? 
why, where is the outrage? And then I started looking around and I'm like, wait a minute, we have all of this Pew research and Cara research that's showing us that we're living in a democrat, uh, like a demographic titanic. The church is just bleeding out members, especially the, the young generation. And I'm like, why is that happening? It, it hit me in a whole new way that as I looked around, I realized that for the most part, our priests, our pastors, our bishops are not prophetically addressing the most critical issues of our time by bringing forth, very simply, what the church teaches in its fullness with conviction and courage. So issues around marriage, issues around sexuality, about the beginning of life, abortion, the end of life, so many issues we could, gender ideology just coming over. And I realized that we were in a cultural tsunami. The, the, the culture of our time, frankly, was doing a far better job of evangelizing members of the church than we as the church were doing to evangelize the world. So I'll just pause there and just say that that was the initial setup of things. And what it led me to was a very simple thing. I have a call on earth. I've been married, blessed to be married to Kerry for 25 years. Christopher, you know Kerry well. Uh, we've been blessed with nine children here on earth, many in heaven. And it's my call to become a saint and to help my wife and my kids to become saints, live their mission on earth and get to heaven. And what I realized was this, if I simply kept doing what I was doing with Kerry to raise kids in our faith, that they would more than likely, for the most part, just bleed out of the church like everybody else. And so I needed to do something different. Kerry and I needed to do something different. And it all happened over the course of one weekend, Divine Mercy Sunday last weekend, wow. where we realized we have to make a radical change or we're going to end up with our kids bleeding out of the church, ending up not practicing their faith, and all the other uh, impacts on their lives of, of not living that way. Hmm. Was this last year or this year? This was last, a year ago in May, or in April, May, was when they had, uh, when Divine Mercy um, uh, Sunday was. And Carrie and I were actually leading a retreat. Uh, for married couples in northern Idaho, and we met up with some common friends with somebody, uh, uh, someone else back here in the in Seattle area, and they said, hey, come on over to this traditional Latin Mass parish, an FSSP parish, Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, and, and we did, and we went in, and Carrie started crying during the course wow. of this high Mass. It was about an hour and 45 minutes long. It was a pontifical high Mass celebrating Divine oh, Mercy gee. Sunday, and the church was packed Dave and Christopher, it was... With lots of old people, right, Tom? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It was packed with people that looked like us. Now, when I say look like us, I mean this, that we walk into a church, right? We walk into a church. I've got nine kids, uh, uh, 20 years old down to seven. We walk in. We're a spectacle. And, and what we don't see are other large families until we walked into this church. And then we saw a whole bunch of large Catholic families dressed appropriately, quiet, reverent, participating in their faith and, and it was like it was just stunning and it was Kerry was like these people believe that this is Jesus and that what's happening here is holy and afterwards we went down to coffee and donuts and meeting all of these families it was this combination of weeping over the the, the majesty of what was poured over us and grieving over what have we been doing? Mm -hmm. Why didn't we know this was here? What have we been missing? And we began to, uh, we literally driving home, 
we said, we have to move. We have to move to a place where we can not flee from the world. This is the thing. This isn't about fleeing from. This is about accomplishing the mission that is ours as a husband and a wife and a mother and a father. I need to do whatever I need to do to be able to be sure or to do the best that I can to set up my kids to be able to live their faith in its fullness. Uh, I just want to uh, mention that Dr. Tom Kern is our guest. I want to give the phone number out. Uh, you know, last week we talked, uh, what was it, Steve Ray was on a, a couple weeks ago, and afterwards I got an email from somebody who said, I totally disagree with what Steve Ray said. And and I said, you know what, we gave the phone number out many, many times during the show, so we invite to whether you love what Dr. Kern is saying or you're thinking, oh, no, I think I've got a question or I want to, uh, you know, uh, pose this challenge to him. We invite the, the questions in the comments. So please call us up, 877-757-9424, 877 877- Seven seven five seven nine four two four, and uh, so, uh, um, anyways, so that so you, you talk about the, the the problems and that you did kind of pick up and moved. Had you already read the the, the Rod Dreher book? Uh, did that come in advance? Where, where did the, the the book and the Benedict Option come into all this? Well, it's funny because that came in after the fact, right? So we didn't. I think I had generally heard of it, but didn't know what it was about. And after we had made the move and had been living out what he describes there, we then discovered, oh, let's read this book and let's talk about it on my radio program. So we did that <laughs> a few months ago. And I'm like, hey, hey, where's our chapter? This is like, this is real. And and Dave, this is actually what's happening here in northern Idaho at St. Joan of Arc Parish. There are dozens of families, dozens and dozens of families moving in Um regularly people will literally be driving by i heard the story this guy drove by with his wife they were in an rv traveling around the country they showed up they they were present at a mass they said we're not leaving they bought land they drove home they sold their house and they moved it it is that spectacular it is that startling when you can come into a place and here's the word guys it's culture it is when you can walk into a place that still has a rich sense of catholic culture meaning specifically that the, what's in the atmosphere, the spirit and ideals that are present in the room, that are unspoken but taken for granted and strived to be lived out and used as the norm for how we live, a Catholic culture is still possible today. But it will mean typically uprooting from situations, cultural and, and societal environments that are much more toxic, much more toxic to your kids, to the world in which you live. So this is really... It is fleeing, but only in the sense of what I would say, uh, Joseph fled to Egypt with the Blessed Mother and the baby Jesus. He fled not to run away from a mission or a call, but in order to fulfill his call, to lead, provide, and protect the Holy Family. And that's what we're doing here. And I got to tell you, it it is working in spades. Your kids are liking it? It's amazing. Our kids... Did you guys hear on June 16th of last summer a great, like, tremor and earthquake in the (laughs) Seattle area? That was the screaming and the tearing of garments of my teenage daughters who are going to be uprooted from their friends. (laughs) I think I heard that, yeah. You did. Did you hear about it? It was in the news somewhere. Yes. No, there was – it was a horrific – no, no, we're, we're never going to enjoy this, right? And, and here's the thing. You have to know this. Why would we do this? 
we had our kids at the best Catholic high school in the Archdiocese of Seattle. We literally moved to be near that school, to be invested in the community around that school, to be able to grow our kids in faith around other families. Listen up. Uh, people who are in charge of Catholic schools, listen up, because oh, so, a lot of people have this experience. Sorry, mm-hmm. Tom. No, no, absolutely, Christopher. So what happened was our kids were at this school, and all of a sudden we saw them being drained of faith. Now, wait a minute. This is the best Catholic school in the, in the best Catholic high school in the whole archdiocese. Well, the reality is about half the kids aren't Catholic. And of the half that are Catholic, the majority of them are not going to mass. Their families are not fervently, intentionally practicing their faith. So our kids were literally being evangelized by the world through their friends, especially through the portals of toxicity called social media platforms. Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, this stuff was pouring in filth right into the minds and hearts of our kids. Not that we weren't monitoring, managing, and having serious controls over the lifestyle and the access that our kids had, but any friends that they have that are not coming from a similar environment become this pure open door, a portal of filth pouring in and washing over and washing away, dislodging a whole Catholic mindset and replacing it with an evangelistic mindset that the world has, evangelizing my kids into gender ideology, gay marriage, abortion, uh, and all of the other hot-button issues. They're not just hot-button issues. These fundamentally shape how you live our lives. So our kids would come back from this school, from these friends, talking about stuff like, wait a minute, where would you hear that? We don't believe that. We pray here as a family. We live our faith. We do retreats. We go on. We do all these activities together. And what ends up happening is our kids are like, why are we so extreme? I'm like, wait a minute. We are extreme? <laughs> no. no, no, no. The yeah. families of the kids that you're hanging around with, they've given in to the world. They've given in to this society. They are heralds of of a diabolic, disorienting way of living life. And it's like, you know what? We need to get our kids into relationship with other kids who are like us. And that's what's happened over here. And I'll tell you, they're more reverent. They they go to a mass that's now an hour and a half to an hour, 45 minutes long, and they're dressed reverently, modestly. And they're not uh, squirming. They're yeah. not squirming. And here's the biggest thing that you can't even imagine. They hang around with other young men and women that are teenagers, and they are not sexualized relationships. They're yeah. not about dating. They're dressing modestly. They act reverently. Their vision of life is much more rooted in a freeing. You can flourish in your Catholic faith. Tom, Tom let me, uh, if I may, uh, voice what somebody, a criticism of this. Somebody might say, in, 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 in framing this criticism, some, I'll, I'll give an example of somebody I spoke to. And this person was at a parish that, uh, let's just say it wasn't a good parish. And I asked this person, I said, why do you stay at that parish? And his response was, Dave, if I leave, nobody is there. I can't, I can't give up the fight because, you know, we've got a small group of people, uh, in our parish that are trying to make a change there. And so somebody might say, Tom, why are you abandoning this high school where your kids could make a difference? Or why, why are, you know, again, what would you say to that, uh, that, uh, criticism? Dave, I'm talking to myself three years ago when I answer that question, because for 30 years I've done church ministry work. I've done work to help foster and develop a Catholic culture in parishes and strive to be someone who helps the Catholic Church be salt, light, and leaven in the world. For 30 years I did that, and the fruit of it was it wasn't working. And so what I realize is this. If your call 
is to stay on the front lines and watch the ship go down, God bless you. But my call first, my call first is to be a child of God who becomes a saint, helps my wife do the same, and together in our marriage, raise our kids. And essentially what happened was that very sentiment I lived for decades. But when my kids became teenagers, I realized that the Catholic Church parishes far and wide are are not doing what they need to do to foster a vital, vibrant Catholic faith and culture. And so my kids would be the wreckage. And I'm sorry, I do care about this local community, but my first concern, my first mission is towards my kids and helping them get to heaven. So it's literally the circles of concern became narrower and narrower until it came down to, I have to do what I need to do for my family. Mm-hmm. You know, if you uh, if, if you look at this like a fire, when you when you light a fire, at the beginning it's the fragile stage. And it just seems to me like if you're lighting a fire out in the middle of the the there's there's no blocks for the wind, you try to light some twigs, and it's just you and a match. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you. Yeah. But if you get a little bit of shelter with community, you might be able to get a fire going, and then. You know, send them out two by two. Mm-hmm. But Tom, there's there's a book I read a long time ago, and I forget the author now. But he talks about the adventure sporting family versus the consumer family. And I'm I'm wondering if part of the reason why our our, our culture, Catholic uh, culture, is going down is that we're we're Catholics living in a consumer way. That is, we're passive. We we you know we watch Netflix. We let the culture tell us what to do, and and it's the ideologues that have taken over the culture. But if you're going in, out to eastern Washington, you have to be an, a sporting adventure. You're an active. You're creating culture. So, uh, again, I want to say I don't see it as flight. I see it as actually avant-garde. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like you're living the future. Uh, and, and, yes, taking care of your family first, but you're also creating those those bits of culture that are going to hopefully blaze up and, and be the future for this uh, decaying society. So, Christopher, I agree with you. And so that book, The Benedict Option, it does principally uh, refer to uh, St. Benedict of Nursia, of course, the 6th century founder of Western monasticism. However, it does also refer to Pope Benedict and his insight that the future of Christianity, it could be a springtime, but only after passing through a winter. Mm. And that winter will mean a shedding of maybe a large portion of Catholic believers and the the growing together of what he calls islands of believers that will live the faith more densely, more intentionally, more fervently and fully. And out of them will come the new springtime. And honestly, I, again, I have done this work for 30 years all over the country, even around the world. The, the church will continue to shed believers. It's not a question. And the reason is, is that we don't have priests who are willing to speak the fullness of the church's teaching with courage and conviction. They're not ready or willing to be prophetically reverent to speak to these matters. So then the people that they're leading are not being formed in the faith. It's very casual. Um, and to speak to your specific point, Christopher, I would say this, that, um, that we're unwilling to do the hard easy. We're not willing. We'd rather do the easy hard. Be yeah. comfortable now. Be soft now. And then things get harder. And that's what's been happening. 
We have to be willing to do what's hard, and that is to stand up, be a voice, and we will do that much more easily when we have a community around us. That's your twigs analogy. We need other believers who can stand together, not hide, but we have to come out of the battle where we're being just savaged and, and just chewed up and beat up. Let's come away. Let's be healed and strengthened, and then let's go back into battle from that place of strength. Uh, phone number here is 877-757-9424. Dr. Tom Curran is our guest talking about his decision to move his uh, family, nine kids and his wife, out of uh, the big city into a smaller community of like-minded Catholics uh, following, uh, you know, he eventually did read uh, the Rod Dreher book uh, called The Benedict Option. Uh, phone number 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. I think one of the interesting things is, you know, so hope springs eternal in the human breast, and I think a lot of times uh, folks like us are saying, you know, if we just get that Supreme Court justice, everything's going to turn around. If we just overturn Roe v. Wade, you know, if we just get uh, a, a pro, another the pro-life, uh, you know, president or you know, this and that, uh, it's almost like like minor political victories are going to save the day. Did you see the, that trend, uh, Tom? Absolutely, Dave. I think about the way in which we will think, okay, hey, Tom, relax. Things aren't that bad, right? This was like often what we would get when we were talking about moving and, and the reasons why. Our friends were like, Tom, it's like a beautiful day out. We live in a peaceful neighborhood and we're out on a, a sideline watching a sports game. What are you talking about? Toxic culture and demographic Titanic. Tom, relax. Like, Just chill out a little bit. And I'm like, no, you have not experienced the devastation of losing kids to faith. Carrie and I looked around and said, our oldest daughter's 20. Let's take a look at our older nephews and nieces from our siblings. And so just understand, this is two Catholic families that have come together in Carrie and me. And what happened to them? And what we saw was there were more children born outside of marriage than inside of marriage. Among our nephews and nieces, there were more divorces than marriages. There were uh, most all of my nephews and nieces lived together before marriage, um, and in fact, almost none of them are practicing their Catholic faith anymore. And and, and this is a family Tom and Carrie put on their own wedding. They the, all the food was made by awesome Italian from Carrie's side uh, family. I couldn't believe it. You guys put on your own wedding, right, Tom? <laughs> this did. is an amazing Catholic family, yeah. and Tom's is too. Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, I want to have time to go to our caller, Sarah, calling in from Houston with a question for Tom, Dr. Tom Curran. Uh, Sarah, thanks for calling in. What's your question for Dr. Dr. T? You're welcome. Good morning, everyone. I applaud you for your work. Here's my question. Um, how does the layperson in the pews make a positive difference in the formation of priests? Uh, there's some good ones. Uh, they're mostly, uh, you know, priests that are doing what you're doing you're mentioning, which is not preaching the fullness of truth. Thank you so much. All right, Tom, what's your answer for Sarah? Thank you, Sarah, for calling. That's a great point. So, Sarah, I, I love your point. And so, you know, I'm going to say, first of all, is pray and then also fast. And those things are not um, those things are not small things. They are big things. God can do great work through that. The second would be this, that priests will often be open to those whom they'll consider uh, authority. So I look at somebody like Father John Ricardo, 
he has a new initiative called Acts 29. And it basically Acts says 28 chapters, and so we are the 29th chapter. And it was an attempt to help reform parishes, but it quickly became an attempt to help minister to priests, to help them become healed, to help them become restored to the fullness of their call as priests, and then to be able to give them the equipping they need to be able to live community and be able to go forward and, and shepherd their people. So Acts 29 is uh, is an initiative that you might point him to. I would also, um, he has a new document out called Reimagining, Reimagining the Church. If you go to his website, Acts 29, Father John Ricardo, you can see uh, a vision that he's painted there for priests. Guess what? Sort of living like a Benedict option, living in community together, diocesan priests, and then investing more in being priests who lead, provide, and protect their people. So I would begin with those things, but um, priests are, are, are tough nuts to crack because, you know, they've gone through a lot of formation. They're used to being in charge. And honestly, one of the biggest challenges is priests don't want to get out of line. Yeah. Priests don't want to get out of line. They're afraid of being slapped down or being punished or being exiled if they step up and they stand out too much. Yeah, and I guess in two ways, from from up above and also from the congregation, like angry responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom, Tom, can I ask this question? How can a layperson go to a place like what are the what are the professional opportunities and, there? And you got thirty seconds. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. If, if, okay. Here it is. The professional opportunities come from God's providence. Hmm. So many people, they have to discern well, but you know what? If you go and you attempt to fulfill what God is calling you to do and you do it wisely, God's going to provide in shocking ways. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, hey, we hang out afterwards and do an after show. I don't know if you have any more time for us, uh, Dr. Curran or not. Uh, are you going to hang around for a little bit? Uh, I, do you got to go? I, I might have no. to get going, okay. maybe a few minutes. Okay, do you got another 10, 15 minutes or do you got to go? So I'll tell you what, I, I will check around, I'll check in for a few minutes, but I do want to okay. invite folks to go to my, to go to a Facebook page where I pray the rosary live with people. I love my Catholic faith on, on Facebook. Okay. I'm going to do that live shortly after this program ends. Oh, okay. All right. Well, very good. Well, thanks so much, uh, for being God a guest on the program. We might have a few more minutes with Dr. Tom Curran after the program on our Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, uh, platforms. Um, and we thank him for being on with us. Uh, Dr. Molloy, thanks so much. So, so happy birthday. Hope thank you have a you. great, uh, thank you. <laughs> 20, well, into your 23rd year of life. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's scary. <laughs> also, Diane always just uh, does a great job on social media platforms. So thanks to her. And uh, thanks for everybody who listened and called in. And uh, don't forget to tune in tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock Central, for uh, a replay of Joe and Alive. And also Monday, 8 o'clock Central, with Joe and the team from Houston. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend and a happy Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name.
Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.